Mini episode 1254 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1254. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. With our FDH NBA analyst, Ben Chu, we are going to be breaking down players in the NBA bubble, looking at uh, the start of the convening in Orlando for the resumption of the regular season slash playoffs. This is part 24 of our Coronavirus Crisis 2020 series, but this is going to be a little more lighthearted than some of our looks at what's going on, and there's not a lot that's lighthearted in today's coronavirus news, but... The players that are down there in the bubble, some of the early things that have happened as they have reported, some of the early mishaps all the way around. Uh, ben, the only thing I can think to say is NBA bubble follies. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, again, Rick, they, they, I got brought back because, again, I do another show more residual in the future, so I guess that's not the worst thing. That's right. That's right. They keep accruing as we're going yeah. along here. And uh, all kinds of things happening. You know, one of the things we might as well get to, one of the most colorful things, we just talked about it off air, uh, the fact that a memo had to go out uh, for NBA players to be wearing pants or something like that or whatever, be wearing something when room service comes there. As you pointed out to me off air, Ben, that doesn't happen from one isolated incident. This had to be more than once, probably a lot more than once. Exactly. And this is one of these things where, and when they're talking about inappropriate attire, Ben, it's not like anybody raided any of my drawers and got any of my old Big Johnson t-shirts. I think we're looking at something worse than that. Exactly. And if any of this was in any way, and we're just speculating here, but I don't think it's a big speculation. If it's anything along the lines of sexual harassment, shall we say, of anybody that's been bringing food to the rooms here, you, you throw that in there, you throw in the story early on about uh, this uh, Instagram model going on Twitter and talking about that she'd already gotten an invite inside the bubble. So the single 
element of this that we knew was the biggest potential threat to the entire thing going forward, i.e. that uh, signature part of the male anatomy, that remains the leader in the clubhouse as far as the favorite to blow this thing up. I mean, I think it was to be a two, but on also another level, too, so I would think at some point it was just going to be the amount of games that you have to stay in and just in the moment. I remember I read an article this week where they said that the lowest average stay for a player in the bubble would be 14 days, and for any team that makes the final, it's up to three months. Now, for you and me, Rick, I, we see that as a long time. We've done it work somewhere where we've had to leave certain areas, but we tend to forget that you're sort of, you're not secluded per se, but you're stuck within a mile radius, you know, a half to a mile radius during quarantine in Disney World. So you also have to consider that while it, it is sizable, it is roomy, you also have to consider that there's just, you can't go beyond that when most of the outer world right now, at least in the United States, physically, you can go out past where you need to go at a period of time. You're not secluded to a mile or a radius. But it's going to be interesting to see how that plays in things and how we discuss about how teams are going to be dealing with individual players in the bubble later on. Because I think right now we're just seeing these things sort of run very similar, like kids going away to summer camp. You're going to see this little, these minor issues pop up here and there, but when it gets later on, yeah, and I think the only real surprise is that it didn't take any period of time at all for some of these things to happen. I think we've assumed a lot of us it might take a little bit of time before some of these irregularities started popping up, but it is an interesting dichotomy in terms of those of us outside the bubble. Uh, a lot of us, unfortunately, at this timetable in mid-July are back into some form of quasi-quarantine, no matter where we are in this country. So, yes, there is more freedom of movement. We can get in our car. We can go places outside of that. But by the same token, a lot of us are at home a good chunk at a time versus, as you pointed out, what's on the grounds there? Yes, they cannot veer beyond the grounds. But what's on the grounds is extremely expansive when you're talking about the quality of food available, when you're talking about a lot of these guys that love to fish have been out there fishing in the ponds there. I, I mean, this is this is like the best place you can be if you got to do something like this. Right. I mean, one thing we also we have to know too is that the NBA has been incredibly accommodating with what they were able to do. Now, obviously, we've seen complaints about the rooms and the initial timeline. I know Rondo was public, uh, Rondo of the Lakers was public about his, his pleasure for his room. But it, it, that's the, it's going to be the issue that a lot of players are dealing with because we've seen, you know, in the NBA, and I think, I especially see based in Portland, I've seen sort of NBA players have say that. So they are very extravagant, but at the same time, most of them 
the thing of it is, too, at a time when so many people are down on their luck because of the unfortunate circumstances of the world right now, like you said, the complaining about the rooms, early on the complaining about they had to have the pre-prepared food for the folks that were going to be in quarantine, and you got players comparing this to the fire Festival. I mean, you are not at all in touch with reality if you are complaining about what you've got going on down there relative to what the pain that so many people are going through right now. Right. And I mean, the, one of the points I made to bring up, obviously, the joke, but on the other one, the finding factor that Fire Festival is heading back to the for food in that timeline. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I, and it, that makes it all the more inappropriate to complain about it. And again, you, you look at the circumstances of it and everything that's being done. I know there's a lot of pain in the ass stuff, but everything that's being done, all the protocols are to try to keep players safe. The one thing where. I'm going to be sympathetic to any of them are anybody that's got loved ones there. I know I've seen some stuff here about players uh, trying to communicate with their kids by video and everything like that. That I legitimately feel sorry for. Anybody that had to leave home to separate, to go in the bubble, the loneliness from your family, uh, I have all the sympathy in the world on a human level for that. For any of the quote-unquote inconveniences that you've got while you're there, uh, and, and again, you're, you're seeing some of them, on the other hand, that are taking up uh, the time and, and, as I said all along, putting the time to good use. Uh, I see that there are some players that are starting video blogs and doing things like that and uh, trying to expand themselves and their own brands. I mean, this is one of the greatest opportunities in the world for them if you want to take it for that. Right, and I mean, the two biggest, the two biggest examples of that would be those uh, uh, Philadelphia 76ers working with Matthias Tybal, who started his own Yes. I know uh, Miami Heat center uh, Myers Leonard has been very popular on social media right now. Just with all his stuff, JJ Reddick, who we know that uh, worked with the Ringer in the past, has been very on brand and just trying to get all his stuff out there. If you're an NBA player, this is a perfect time to market yourself because we all still see it that as we see the virus go through the fluctuations that we've seen recently, most, I, I have a feeling most people will not mainly their homes during the season, as long as everything continues to go without a hitch in Orlando. But it's the perfect time for Amy Adams to market brands and your own, get your team out there. And it's, I mean, the thing too is that uh, we've used this rule because we remember the initial two months of how we felt during lockdown. But you have a lot of time on your hands, so you can either focus on passion projects or things you need to work on in terms of just your brand or what you like to do in terms of writing or any sort of video or photo or any social media. You have the time to do these things now in comparison to a timeline prior to coronavirus where everyone would make the excuse, oh, I don't have the time to do that. I have to be out and about. We're, we're, in a, we're in a weird timeline zone of coronavirus, and it feels that a lot of players are taking advantage of it, and I think even more players take advantage of it as the season continues. Absolutely. I have immense respect for anybody working the hustle right now. I'm glad you mentioned Tybal. He's probably the best example of what I was thinking of with that. And, uh, again, somebody who's already known, even as a rookie, as one of the best young defensive players in the league, getting to be known for more than that, good for him. He sees the opportunity. He's taking it. And, and that's the kind of spirit that, uh, you know, you like to see out of any of them that are there. And, and again, it is a completely different, completely surreal kind of atmosphere. Uh, again, just go back six months to what we would be thinking 
if we were told that these were the circumstances and the NBA was having to resume its season at the end of July, I mean, everything that is being done is of such an unprecedented nature. Uh, but uh, again, there's a lot of weirdness that goes with it, with going there and experiencing this. But uh, with some of the early violations about uh, players going, you know, over whatever invisible line there is, obviously there's no snipers guarding that line to go get their food and ending up back in uh, quarantine again for their takeout. Uh, all this talk now, well, it's not just talk, I guess it's reality. There is a snitch line. There's been a lot of, uh, I see a lot of joking speculation, I think it's joking, on Twitter about Chris Paul being the chief guy manning the, the snitch line, phoning in stuff on other people. Uh, it's an extraordinarily weird timeline uh, when you get into the enforcement side of this, Ben. Right, and I think moving forward is going to be interesting and intriguing because I think the NBA is going to do their best to crack down, but we all know, too, occasionally someone will reach the bubble at some point. I think that's just going to happen or someone later who has their family members come in during the playoffs. Maybe someone who is a technically a family member gets their way into the bubble on some level. But I mean, just in the totality, we, we were always going to see people leave the bubble. But I mean, to know so far, if we're being honest, only officially, if we're, if we're going in terms of people who have just left the bubble not without approval from the league is only two players. Bruno Cavacolo of the, I believe, of the Rockets. He's, he's been around a lot, Rick. So, I'm trying to remember, there, there's been a team he played for. So, right. And then obviously the most profile case, Sacramento came forward, etc. Rashad Holmes, who apparently left and crossed the, the line to get some form of delivery food. We don't know what it was. And still may never know what it was. It's a weird timeline. I also think, though, that I think players are going to be allowed to move freely outside the We already saw Donna Woods and the Pelicans go back to deal with the family matter. I thought that if owner is going to leave at some point for the Oklahoma City Thunder to attend the birth of his, uh, to, uh, to, I believe, attend the birth of one of his kids. Same thing with Gordon Hayward and family at some point. So it's going to be very interesting how the NBA is going to treat players in and out of the bowl. We know it's going to happen in the league protocol at this point that they're supposed to test negative every day outside of the bubble. But also, at the same time, when they come back, they still have to quarantine for up to four days. And we're going to see this interesting scenario like we'll use Zion as a profile example right now that he will probably be back with the restart with the team games. But we do not know for sure if he does hypothetically catch coronavirus in some period of time. That could delay return to the bubble, or it could delay him from playing it after going through quarantine. So there's completely, it's uncharted territory for the league, but they at least they have the infrastructure we saw at it at Vegas Summer League to kind of fall back on. Because they, at least understand how to deal with multiple players and multiple teams in the same area, which I don't think tends to happen in these other pro sports. Right. Yeah. You I'm going to maybe bring training to baseball, but probably the nearest comparison. Yeah, you got a lot of variables involved here, and, and, and again, and certainly hoping that nobody gets this uh, slash brings it in. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating social experiment along those lines to see how it goes. And As far as, uh, again, I, I was joking about this before, about the bubble follies and everything like that, but uh, as you and I have been talking uh, off-air about this, and we talked on-air about the bubble uh, recently here, just when we were taking a look ahead before it had started, but... Uh, more so than a lot of people, 
I have been sounding a lot more dour about human nature since the start of this crisis and the idiocies and the stupidities and everything like that and the sense that we wouldn't be where we are if people were just smarter uh, or even more so like potentially like our grandparents generation it's hard to see the World War II generation having a lot of the same selfishness uh, that people seem to have today and then there's a lot of people on the other hand like you who have pointed out well Rick it's just human nature in the year 2020 so there's two ways of looking at this but either way you look at the bubble and the problems of the bubble and when you look at not not all athletes that are there have been coddled their entire lives I get that but a lot of them quite frankly have been it's hard to believe that that would be a better more disciplined subset than the rest of humanity I'm not going to posit that it's necessarily worse but to expect them to do any better than the rest of us is probably unrealistic right and I think the issue too is that just if we're talking to the generalities of the coronavirus we, are, we know a lot about the virus much more than we did it when it first hit it we know much more than we did in February and March. But the issue we're also seeing now is the rewriting of cases in areas where it was moving flat and just in America and in other countries as well. So I tend to think also that you, you can lay blame on individuals and people at the end of the day, but we also have to understand that a virus is a virus. You really can't. You, you can't negate it and then have it run back because I, I just, there's just so many narratives where we see the virus get killed all and then it comes back. There are always going to be positive cases and negative cases, but what we've seen, at least in the middle, is that a lot of countries and in most enterprises states in America have been able to tamper it, tamper it down for a bit, but then just for it to re-flare up again. And I think the issue with that moving forward is we're probably going to be on that heel hill until we get a vaccine or drug cocktail is put together, or until, like I predicted, in early to mid of 2021 where people will just lose the fear of the virus entirely because we have now been somewhat trained to understand the current groups we have to deal with it at this point. Well, I saw a thing the other day, and I find this very, very hard to believe, but uh, Scott Gottlieb, the former head of the FDA, positing that there could be some form of herd immunity by 20, early 2021 because he thinks half the population will have it by then. It's hard to see it going to 150 million in this country by January, but if, it, if it's exponential growth, then really anything is possible. But it's, it's amazing how much has changed since even the pre-bubble period. For example, Florida wasn't necessarily that bad, especially in the early going, right, when they were talking about bringing it to Florida and Orlando. Uh, yeah, they, if I remember correctly, they were ranked in the mid uh, They were in total cases. I think they were in the mid-20s at that point. Right. Yeah, they so it, were, was, it was perceived as a hot spot initially, and now it has become one. Sure. And the interesting part is how everyone's going to deal with this is, at some point, if the case counts, they're becoming unsafe. Not that the league would suspend play or, or anything like that. It's just more in terms of how, how the bubble might tighten over time if the outside of the gets much worse. Right, and under the theory that a uh, chain is only as strong as its weakest link, I've been saying all along the fact that you have the employees going to their homes every night in a community that is now riddled with it. Orlando is a hot spot. I mean, not as bad as Miami, but uh, that's, I mean, Miami's one of the worst places in the world for it right now. So that's not saying much, but it's a thing where I'm almost wondering, because of everything that has changed, let's say in the last six weeks or so, from when the, the setup 
was basically put in place to now that it's starting to be implemented. I almost wonder for the players that are there, because right, the, the players, uh, I think a lot of them, it's occurring to them at this point that even if you get it, this could be very bad long term, even if you survive it, because nobody knows you know, what it might do to your lungs or anything else like that. And that's a, that's a worry that I've had for athletes from the beginning. I hope that nobody's career is compromised because of this, although it seems inevitable there will be ones that are. I almost wonder, weirdly enough, if there are ones that are now thinking, because again, the timeline seems to be early 2021, whether it be herd immunity, whether it be a vaccine, whether it be drugs that would arrest this in the early stages before it would keep from getting as destructive, Everybody is pointing towards more or less the beginning of next year. So when you look at the timeline, this NBA season, if it plays all the way out, is going to take us right about halfway there, maybe a little bit more than that point. I wonder if the players aren't looking at this and going, you know what, it's good that I'm here because I'm less likely to get it here than in the outside world. They might have thought six weeks ago, ah, I could stay in my community, I could stay home. But this is really a case now where even as bad as Orlando is, if the bubble holds up, there truly is no better place to be to preserve your career, to preserve your career prospects than in a place where everybody's being tested constantly. Right. And I mean, I go to two points with this. The first point is the perception by even normal everyday humans that you have complete immunity in your own home or in your area is just simply not the case. Right. Uh, we've seen many scenarios in the news days and weeks where you see stories of people who catch it who say they were very safe and still end up catching it anyway. And another quick thing just off the top of my head is that as we move forward, again, we, we also have to take into account two things with athletes. One, athletes are not normal humans, but currently the fatality rate for a lot of these cases of coronavirus tend to be within people who are generationally older or who have have uh, immune issues or pre-existing conditions. And under most circumstances, I would say roughly 85 percent of the NBA right now are relatively healthy young people who don't really have any pre-existing conditions. So we're going to assume that everyone is going to be relatively okay. But I also understand if I'm a player, I'm concerned about catching it in the bubble and dealing with the things. But the question is, if we say, oh, I'll say this too, just to play devil's advocate, is that within our timeline on Earth, we've had many viruses come to the table. Yep. And at some, it's very similar to the comic book. I know the comic book doesn't tell, but we also tend to forget that it does tell a lot of people clearly. Yes. And we just have to, we have to consider that on some level, that the virus is just an upgraded blue. And at the end of the day, you have to understand that while you have the opportunity to catch a coronavirus, it's probably higher than any other thing. But the issue I always make with people is that you can say it's safe and humanly possible. But again, that's just 
again, as you said, there's so much that we don't know, and that's where, again, I try to be humble about what I know or think I know as we go along here, and I find myself frequently pointing out to people a lot, well, how do you know, how do you know? And I'm saying that mostly, I would say, to what I would call the branch Covidians who want to play this down. Oh, you're talking about something with a 99-plus percent survival rate, which is not the case. Uh, I, I believe that the fatality rate uh, is definitely higher than uh, 1%, uh, and probably by a few. And, and again, the more that uh, we are humble about what we think we know, the better with this, because again, you know, we don't really know squat. We're learning it in real time. Same thing with the experts, by the way. And everybody loves to play neener, neener, neener whenever experts change their opinions or their guidance. Other than saying early on, don't wear masks, which I said at the time was disastrous because I didn't believe it. And I knew exactly what they were doing. I knew that it was a lie that was intended to save masks for the medical community, but there had to be a better way because public health authorities cannot lie in the middle of a pandemic because their, their trust, the, the trust that we have to have in them has to remain unchallenged. And that was a self-owned by a lot of people in the uh, medical community. And then when a lot of them later on subsequently said, oh, well, if you're out protesting for a good cause, uh, that's not dangerous. Uh, again, that as well wasn't helpful. So this is one of these things where we have to be humble about what we think we know about this, that the situation is evolving. But there does seem to be a consensus developing that come the beginning part of next year, one way or another, things should be a little bit better. And I wonder how that's going to guide how everybody goes through this. And then again, specifically uh, the people in the bubble, because the thing of it is, is that the NBA, I mean, if they can't make it work under these circumstances, uh, they're not going to make it work under any circumstances. So I I'm actually at the point where my optimism is sort of rising that they are going to make it all the way through this thing here at this point, even with some of the early things that have happened. I, I am getting the sense that once the games resume, that uh, there might be enough positive momentum going on, people learning their lessons about how they have to maintain the protocols. I'm getting a little more optimistic about that. What do you think? Well, Rick O'Rourke, that's discussed. I, I always said that we've seen how the media machinates at the end of the day, or whatever the specific word that you were, that I was looking for there, is that we've Certain things for the 
They're not going to spend around there. They're not going to be saying, like, we're going to take 500,000 tests from the Florida government away just for us. Right. That's not the case. And that's why I feel those arguments need to fall flat in my opinion. Well, the only other thing that I wonder about as well in looking at this, and I think what I'm about to bring up is something that I, oddly enough makes me, again, a little bit more optimistic that they're going to be able to get through the season and that none of the players are going to blow this thing. And here's what I'm pointing to, is I wonder to what extent fear might come into play. We're hearing now, you, you're right about this, about the death counts have been lower, but they've been going up in Florida. ICU and hospital use in Florida is getting to be pretty bad. So the whole notion of if you get this, you know, you may end up in an overflowing hospital getting God knows what kind of treatment just because, again, you know, everything on, on the ground I'm sure you're going to be getting from the health professionals will be as good as they can provide. But look at what happened in Italy. Look at what happened in New York. When you are one person caught up in the midst of all of that, and I promise you, no matter how rich and famous you are, you're getting treated like anybody else in an ICU ward under these circumstances. So as we keep hearing about the rising ICU and hospitalization counts in Orlando, I, I wonder to what extent that's going to work on the scared straight level, if you will. I think minimal at best, Rick. Really? I, I think okay. He's already had a plan in place if a player was to But again, Rick, uh, this is where I, I feel the media has done a disservice, at least for younger, healthy individuals. They don't tend to go to the ICU. It tends to be past. They tend to be asymptomatic and they tend usually not to have any major issues at this point. It really seems to be, at least judging from the case studies that I've read, and in terms of certain regions in Florida, it, it seems to be people who are generally older and have pre-existing conditions filling up these hospitals. So I would say that's a misnumber, but I would understand if a player is already afraid of the coronavirus, we saw the whole thing with Midtown and Mitchell Rudy Gobert. We, it would not shock me if it's an area where a player could get it and give it to a star player where there could be some animosity or problems in the future for their team. You still don't know truly how the individual pre-covered situation is going to play out in our right now. Because, hey, right now, it's like open public and say everything's okay, but it's the first couple games that the Jazz don't play well, that's going to get brought up at some point. Yeah, there's the interpersonal uh, part of that between teammates, but then and also... And I think that's going to be the biggest thing that the league's going to have to deal with if multiple positive cases arise. Right. Well, and, and unless we're in a circumstance in the next month where there are hardly any NBA, NHL, or MLB games, if they all get scrapped, then throw what I'm about to say out the window. But we're about to learn a whole lot in the time ahead about what I've just been speculating about over a period of time. Lasting damage that occurs to those who have this, even in the milder cases, are they still having issues subsequently? Is anything happening long term that could uh, jeopardize lung capacity, which is very important in the NBA? So all these things where we're sitting here and we're wondering, or I am, but I don't hear a lot of other people, quite frankly, uh, speculating on it. And I think it's an important question to be posed in terms of the threat that this could pose to people's careers. One way or another, you got to think by sometime, you know, in mid-August, late August, we're going to have the answers on this, on what kind of risk players are at, even if they've had a milder case of this, quote-unquote. Right, and at least for now, there hasn't been any more reporting yet in terms of athletes who have had coronavirus in the long-term lasting effects. 
still just learning about it in terms of just regular education on the medical level. It's going to be very interesting to see just generally what could happen next. My issue is, and I think we're always going to say, that this is the common narrative story of the moment. The nature of fear is how it works. That you take the one thing, it takes control away from people, and when people who have perceptual control get taken away from things to act irrationally. And because of that, we're all we're gonna see how a lot it's gonna be interesting to see how these teams come together and what teams are gonna play well in the bubble and what what teams will not play well in the bubble. Exactly, and there is so much uh, about this that makes uh, everything unpredictable here in the sense that uh, even top teams could be more vulnerable to upsets. Uh, the NBA is not generally that way. You look at four years in a row of Cavs versus Warriors in the finals. The NBA tends to be a very top-heavy league. This could be somewhat of an equalizer, so we'll have to see how all of this uh, plays out. And uh, again, we, uh, we started our, off, of course, by looking at uh, the bubbles and the follies, uh, uh, everything that's been going on since they got there. But inevitably, uh, any conversation about uh, the coronavirus, uh, even if it's involving sports and some of the goofiness with athletes, it will take a darker turn as we did here uh, in this conversation. That is inevitable uh, at this time. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, here's hoping we can get through all of this with everybody in there staying safe and being able to uh, pursue their careers to the best of their ability. And Edward, I, I do personally believe, at least at this time, from what we know about the virus and the data that's out there right now, I personally believe that, uh, again, I think everything tends to get overblown because we tend to see and consume as much media as we do in this timeline, but we also have to understand that until we know much more in a pure data, data empirical sense, it, 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 it's worrying about a question mark. It's a, a big question mark at the end of the day. If we don't know what's behind, or essentially if we want to use this chip, it's let's make a deal. We don't know what's behind curtain. And until we truly know, it, it's fun to discuss and it's fun to posit scenarios, but until they actually happen, everyone's guess is as good as everyone else's guess. Yeah. And uh, I think we all look forward to a point when we can get back uh, at, at least closer to normal life uh, in this country. Uh, a lot of people thought we were starting to get there in May and the early part of June. And right now, uh, the spread of it is raging uh, pretty much worse than it ever has at this point. So hopefully something can be done about that. Hopefully the NBA can uh, stay safe and calm inside the bubble and give us all uh, a boost that we could all use at this time here, uh, a little bit of uh, summer distraction. Uh, we shall see. I do know I will be staying on top of this with you, Ben Chu. And, uh, again, thank you so much for being a part of this great conversation. Well, no problem, Rick. One point I also wanted to make that uh, I think you earlier was that the league has also been discussing a scenario that if a vaccine was to come out in that rough timeline, that they could push the start vaccine for next season. So it's going to be interesting because Originally, initially, they were very set on the December timeline. But now, if they can get fans in arena by mid April to May, you could see the season of 20. Well, if I get it back properly, 2021-22, it, it's going to be very. It, it, the, the whole calendar shift of the NBA is going to be very interesting to see if the bubble is successful. And if it isn't successful, it's going to be interesting to see what bubble 2.0 is probably going to that's right. Uh, first bubble 1.0 has got to work, but yeah, no, that's an excellent point. 
the NBA needs to be pragmatic and nimble about that. And uh, again, if we're looking at a vaccine in the early part of 2021, and I know uh, Adam Silver's probably got Anthony Fauci and everybody else on speed dial, then yes, putting it off until you can come back closer to normal would be absolutely the way to go. Uh, first, they got to get through this circumstance here as we all continue to navigate a circumstance unlike any that we have ever seen, and the NBA is trying to come back in completely unprecedented circumstances. We will continue to follow that. Thank you again for uh, your contribution here, uh, Ben Chu, and uh, we'll be doing a little bit of a preview of the uh, resumption here subsequently on the show. In the meantime, thank you everybody for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1254.